Utah's best sports radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Everybody ready? Today is Tuesday, right? Take extra care to follow the instructions or you'll be put to sleep. And don't forget Taco Tuesdays. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5-1280 The Zone. Welcome on in. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. We also greatly appreciate our title sponsor, Mountain America Credit Union. Get 0% interest on all purchases through May of 2020 with a new Mountain America credit card. For details, visit macu.com or call 1-800-748-4302. Gorda, what is happening? How you doing today, Jake? I'm good. I'm good. Did you uh, recover from your uh, 45-minute workday yesterday? Uh, it was hard. Was it difficult? It, it was difficult. <laughs> it, was a, it was a lot of work, but uh, I managed to fight my way through it and uh, went and got the Christmas tree. It didn't get yeah. didn't get delivered this year. No, because I have a pickup. Now. So you were able to save yourself the delivery charge. I am a working man. I mean, that's who didn't really work much. That's like five hundred bones back into Monson's pocket. <laughs> it was nice to just uh, chuck the tree in the back and just drive on home. Did you uh, decorate it yourself? No, I haven't decorated it yet. It's just uh, in in its place. How involved are you in that process? Uh, As much or uh, less than Thanksgiving's preps? More, probably about equally, because I do care about decorating the Christmas tree, and I always have. Because I'm, you know, you know, I mean, you know this about me. I'm sort of a, I'm particular about the way things appear. And uh, I have a certain knack for design. You do. And in fashion. You do. Yeah, so I dress that tree well. Okay. And if anything's out of sorts. Like, here's a, tell me about it. We put the thing up, and then, and then it, if it's slightly crooked, I, I don't tolerate that well. Now, when, when you don't tolerate something, do you do something about it yourself? <laughs> of course. Or do you just criticize? No, not at all. I go get uh, maybe some magazines to put in the corner just to even the thing out, just so. Because I, I, I'm just seeing. Oh, what are you trying to get me to say? I say, Lisa. Right. Get in here and fix this. Or yeah, if Lauren, I talk to my wife Aaron, that way, she'd punch me in the nose. You know that. No, that's why I'm saying maybe one of the gals 
in there too. Like you know, hey Sid, straighten. That. I'm just, I'm just picturing Lisa or one of your daughters, like <laughs> Clark Griswold style, like basically <laughs> propping the tree up, you know, trying to adjust it, getting covered in sap and all that sort of thing. Let's and Gordon see, goes, see I, I think it's off uh, a little millimeter to the right. <laughs> ah, too far, too far, too far. Back to the you know, that's that is what I'm picturing in my mind not, right not now. Not at all. No, no but I'm, I I well, as the Germans would say, I admit mock. I I. I join in and uh, do with. Okay. So uh, that is a fun. I mean, that's one of my. That's one of the funniest scenes when they open that Christmas tree and it blows through the windows. I, and, I mean, <laughs> and he said it looks really good. Little full, a lot of sap. Little full, <laughs> everything sticking to his hands. <laughs> that's the best part when they're reading a magazine and he's pulling all the pages. <laughs> That movie is so amazing, so amazing. I, I, I still I want to know what the equivalent of decorating the tree is to opening a can of beans and mushrooms and microwaving them. Man, you are selling. Is that like so three short. ornaments? You guys, I, you no, know, it's you, one. You are painting. and tinsel. One ornament, one tinsel, or and maybe we help with the Christmas lights when it's up high because he's taller. Ah. Not, well, we have to get up on a, on a ladder. So oh, you tell them to get a ladder, do no, you? No, I, I, well, it depends. Because Wait a minute. How tall a tree are we talking uh, about do, here? Do we have a ladder? <laughs> <laughs> the portrait you guys are painting of me is completely erroneous. Wait, if you, you're you a tall guy. You're what, like 6'1"? Yeah. So if, if, if you bought a tree that you actually would need a ladder for, we're talking like a, what, like a 12? Foot tree? I mean, uh, how, how big is this? this so, is something like that. Yeah. Big tree. Yeah. I mean, well, I always start out small, and then then it ends up being uh, a little taller. Okay. But anyway, it's fun. I like it. Oh, we good. went down there. Good. My wife picked out two, and I picked out one. And she stood by hers, the one she was looking at, and I stood by mine. And it was like sort of like who's going to leave their the tree? Uh huh. Because so you if got you walk away, it was crowded. There were a lot of people there. <laughs> and so she's waving at me and I'm waving at her. And so I went I went yeah. over to where she was we and know. then I said, Hey, come on over here and look at this one. And you know what? She said, Yeah, let's get that one. She let you in. Yeah. She did. She's a master strategist. Did you get both? No. Okay. Uh, we've got a lot to do uh, today, Gordon. I'm glad you got your treat. That's good. And I'm glad you didn't have to have it delivered this year. That's that's also So good. I was using the time that I would have spent with you in a, in a good call. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, coming up today, Christian Cox will be on the show at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Had a Bo- cup of coffee or whatever tea or post them with the, the New England bed. <laughs> cup of post them. <laughs> uh, Bowler is going to be in studio at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. And Tanner Mangum is going to be on the show at 5.30. All right. And uh, in, in the 5 o'clock hour, the college football playoff committee rankings poll, what are we calling it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, that's uh, that's coming out and uh, interested to see where Utah ends up. As always, they've been creeping up notch by notch. If they get jumped by Oklahoma, I'm guessing it will be in the final poll, yeah. not tonight. Yeah, I would agree with that. I bet Utah is is right where we expect them to be at 5.00. Oklahoma has to beat Baylor again, and if they do that, they'll right. jump, they'll jump the Utes. Like we said yesterday, if Utah beats Oregon, Oregon, and uh, and Oklahoma beats Baylor, they'll say, "Oh, Oklahoma beat a better team mm-hmm. in the championship game," and then that will be the argument to do springboard over Utah. You know, we keep saying that, and and uh, a certain Ute fans keep tweeting at us. Have you noticed that? 
about how we are uh, sort of downplaying what the, the Utes. That's not what we're doing here. We are. I, I think the Utes are really, really good. I just don't believe in the system. Yeah, I was skeptical. That's all. Yeah. You know, uh, and I heard it put this way the other day, and I thought it's 100% accurate. Here's, here's why I'm skeptical, because they're putting together a TV show. You know, that's that's ultimately their goal. They're, putting, they're programming. They're, they're programming. Yeah. That's what they're doing. They're, they're programming a television show. I hadn't really thought of it in those terms, but you're exactly right. And But they're, they're kind of pretending that there's some, you know, some fairness drama. to it all. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're kind of pretending like, oh, everybody has a shot. But really what they're doing is programming a TV show. And that's, <laughs> that's why I'm skeptical, because Oklahoma is Oklahoma. And if you look at the history of the, the playoff thus far, it's for the most part the same cast of characters. It's, it's for the most part these big TV draws and these big attention-getting programs. And, and that's not entirely a coincidence, but I also get it that those are with the most resources, so is it a surprise that they win the most? It all goes hand in hand. But it's the reason why I'm skeptical about what's going to happen. Ohio State leapfrogs over Baylor and TCU yes. a few years ago, yeah. not only because they smashed Wisconsin— but because they're Ohio State, and the the fact they that won they won the championship that year, didn't they? They I did. Remember. Yes, absolutely. But they they said, hmm, TCU or Baylor, we've got a tough choice right there. Or we could do the easy thing, <laughs> which also benefits us because we're putting in one of the biggest programs in the country. Right. Hmm, what are we going to do? <laughs> what to do? So, and that has nothing to do with how good the Utes are. Listen, Ute fans, I would I would one hundred percent listen to complaints about being left out more if Utah were undefeated, but they're not. They have a loss. And that puts them but into, into this say dog Oklahoma and pony show. Isn't undefeated either, right? But by losing, you put yourself in the conversation with Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. It's not a conversation if you didn't lose. But since you lost, you open up the door to comparisons to Oklahoma and Baylor, for that matter, and that well, and Georgia if they beat LSU. Yeah. So it's it, over if that happens. It is over if that happens, and you you hope LSU is motivated to to win the the league and that they'll do their job but you never know George is really good so it's it is a it is a beauty contest it is a, a programming a TV show that's a, that's I thought it was a terrific way to look at it and that's what gives Oklahoma the advantage because they're Oklahoma is it fair probably not <laughs> is it what Utah deserves well Gordon you know what I uh, always like to say deserves, deserves got, got nothing, nothing to, to do, do with it, it. And I, I even thought about it this way. How about this for extra level thinking? How much influence over the process does Nike have? Because the the head of the selection committee is the Oregon athletic director. So what if Phil Knight just says, "Hey, listen, I know you love, I know you love your your fellow Pac-12 mate Utah, but I'll tell you what, you know who uh, what what school is a Nike school? Oklahoma. You think a call from Uncle Phil might do it? If Uncle Phil said, hey, how do you like that extra funding that I donate to you personally? Well, guess what? It'd, be, it'd make a lot of money for my company if Oklahoma were in the playoff. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Or like we were talking yesterday, ESPN has this this predictor which predicts something that shouldn't be predictable. <laughs> it's not predictable. And has Oklahoma ahead of Utah somehow. That That is basically propaganda for what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I know you fans are sensitive. And again, if you think your team is one of the best four teams in the country, I'm listening. I get it. 
I get why you think your team is that way. And hopefully the college football playoff committee sees it that way. But, but the, I, for one, am skeptical. I am as well. But the committee will blame it on something that is somewhat legitimate, and that is that the Pac-12 is down this year. That they haven't beat anybody. That they haven't beat That's anybody. what they'll point to. Yeah. And Oklahoma will have beaten, what, three ranked teams? Right. If they beat Baylor again? But Oklahoma also has been playing crappy and barely beating these middling teams, whereas Utah has been, been pounding teams. So it, you, it's, it's so subjective it's dumb because you can pick whatever you want to value yeah. and whatever benefits you at the time. I got an email from a huge Oklahoma fan, and he said, I wish there, was a, there were a play, a play in game. I thought, yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Hmm. But anything, and who asked him? Anything that makes well, I thought Just that kidding. was I thought that was <laughs> that was uh, fair coming from a guy who is a huge Sooner. What is a Sooner anyway? I don't know, but it's not as good as later. Oh, hey, hey, you're welcome. Is a Sooner when they did the land rush? Is that it? Was it the ones that got there Sooner? Is that what that's for? I doubt it, but that sounds good. Uh, no, it, 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 I mean, I bet Mr. Know It All in there would know if you know if we ask him. But you know, I, I think it has something to do with that. Everybody line up. Didn't they line up next to a river or something, and everybody just took off, and it was a land grab? It, it, if I'm not mistaken, gentlemen, uh, yeah. it was uh, the name given to those who lined up before the uh, official start to line up began. So, like, it was the equivalent of putting your chair out for the 4th of July parade a week in advance. You're a Sooner. Okay. All right. That makes, way to localize it, Austin. And, nice and did the Sooners, uh, the Sooners got there sooner, right? Hence the name. Because they had the better starting position. They had the pole position. It's almost interesting. <laughs> Anyway, well, hey, and by the way, let's let's call this the split story of the day. We don't need to get into the uh, the production. It's brought to you by Sound Sleep Medical. Do you snore at night, or are you currently using a CPAP machine to treat sleep apnea? Sound Sleep Medical can improve your life. Visit SoundSleepMedical.com today. Glad I prepped the production. <laughs> Sorry, Austin. <laughs> But but I thought you'd be see we're already at eighteen so I thought you'd yeah, be whatever. happy about my my sensitivity. Just, to the, you're wasting our time. So we were, we were, we were, Talk sports, sports, sports. We were either later or sooner. I'm not sure what we were something. But I don't expect uh, the Oklahoma leaping Utah. I don't expect that to happen uh, tonight. Uh-huh. And I do think that there is a chance that the selection committee will take Utah over o- Oklahoma if some things happen. Like I mean, I I do think that Utah needs to mo- wipe the floor with with Oregon. Because they're they're already vulnerable. They've already been disrespected because that lost ASU, and everybody already thinks they suck. So you might as well <laughs> pound them. Even though I actually don't think that they suck, and that's easier said than done. But that's probably what they need to do. And then Oklahoma Baylor needs to be sloppy. It needs to be a or, field goal. Oregon fest. will be the toughest test for the Utes all season. It will and be. I'm including USC in that. I agree. And even though they lost that game, this this is the best team that they'll have played all year long. And so that is what should make it interesting for Ute fans because they they haven't seen their team tested since SC. Oregon has the best O-line in the country, arguably. They've got uh, a quarterback who's going to be a first-round draft pick. They've got a solid first-round pick. They've got a really solid running game. Their defense is incredibly stingy. It's the second-best defense in the league behind Utah's. 
and it's closer than you might think. The Oregon's defense is, is really, really good. They're a little weak in the receiving core. They're really banged up there, so that might limit Justin Herbert. And that, of course, is was USC's big advantage over Utah, so maybe that's that's good news for the Utes. But I'm with you. This is by far their, their toughest test. What are the predictors, these formulas? What are they saying? What kind of chance are they giving the Ducks? Because I'm, I'm assuming – that that predictor would follow the form of Vegas, which has installed the Utes as, what, a five-and-a-half-point favorite, six-point, something like that? Uh, I'm just looking that up. I don't know about the ESPN predictor thing. Yeah. I try not. I, I'm mad at that right now. That bugs me. What kind of credibility do they so have? So they're, they're essentially it's, – it's like the old BCS rankings. They're using a, <laughs> all kinds of voodoo, essentially, and to make and they, but they make it look scientific, but it's really just – a pile of goo. Right. <laughs> because how do you predict what somebody's opinion is going to be? That's impossible. How do you how do you predict how uh, like mathematically predict how somebody is going to interpret something? Like the the point of a selection committee is that it isn't a formula, right? That it's human beings processing the information and then making a not an emotional decision, like overly emotional, but using their their tools, their emotions to make a decision on something. You can't pre- you can predict the outcome of a game, mm-hmm. but how do you predict that? I made the joke yesterday. How do you how do you predict like what if a committee member had a bad burrito for breakfast and was in a bad mood? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, like you people, can't. People That's say, why well, that thing is so stupid. Like election polls and stuff. People say, how do those? How can they be right? Or how accurate are they? And at least that's based in percentages numerically. That once you have a certain number that's leaning a certain way based on polling, based on samples, then you can make that guess. But you can't poll the committee, right? Yeah, you, 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 you can't poll a committee. Like, you can't uh, – I don't know. Anyway, the, yeah. the, the whole prediction thing with the, the ESPN is bugging me, long and short of it. But the, you were right about Vegas. Utah is a six-point favorite, and the over-under is 47.5. Now, with the weather, yeah, you might want to lean under there. The weather is going to be – Rain, rain, rain. And I, I think that plays into Utah's game plan, too, actually. You mean it favors them? Favors them, yeah. I think they're better equipped, maybe, in the rain. Certainly, what is Utah vulnerable to, if anything, defensively? And that's a, that's a quarterback who's going to go back there and spin it because every defense is vulnerable to that if the quarterback is good enough. And if it's rainy and Herbert's got nobody to throw to, that's probably really good news for the Utes. I'm trying to think of the last time you saw a a prolific scoring game played in the rain. Can you recall one this year? Um, no, I mean I'm I'm picturing the the Baltimore San Francisco game uh, over the weekend, and that was far from a prolific offensive game. Mm-hmm. What about yeah. Utes against Washington State? Okay, yeah, 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 because Utah ran up a bunch of points against. Well, that's a good example, maybe. Honestly. I imagine the wind would be worse than the rain. Yeah, and probably snow would be less would be better than than rain. Because it's not weighing the ball down. Yeah, but snow that that gets soggy and messy too. Unless it's <laughs> unless it's like, like three rain. degrees. Ducks like rain. Ducks like wow. Splishing, splashing in the rain. You know we haven't really thought of that. No. They're not actual ducks. Yeah, but they live in Eugene. True. And it rains a lot. It up does there. rain a lot up there. That mm-hmm. is true. So it's part of the habitat. Is it now? <laughs> yeah. All right, coming up right around the corner, we uh, we will get into the Utah Jazz game 
and the road trip they are returning from uh, coming up right around the corner. Gordon has, Gordon has a column out, sltrib.com. Don't forget, Christian Cox joins the show, top of the 4 o'clock hour. Bowler, top of the 5 o'clock hour. Tanner Mangum at 5.30. It's a Tuesday big show, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. This is DJ and PK. PK, we have our own line of apparel now. It's about time. I'm going to be partnering with these guys. We're going to have a whole lot of stuff. We're going to start with the T-shirts, and this is just the start. I'm thinking about early 2021, we'll have some sporting goods available. You want to golf, you'll be able to get some DJ and PK (laughs) golf clubs. Around 2024, I anticipate as breaking into the automotive industry. (laughs) So we're in negotiations now. Pretty soon, you know, BYU and Utah, they'll be playing with (laughs) DJ and PK footballs. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's a total request Tuesday today. Uh, Austin uh, tweeted out, we're looking, we're asking for your songs or bands that involve animals or wildlife. What's our uh, what's our motivation here? Oh, we were talking ducks and how they like rain, and I thought, okay. ah, there All we right. go. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, so go ahead and tweet us, at Austin Horton, at Jake Scott Zone, at... Gordon Monson and of course Band of the Day brought to you as always by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com Well Gordon the Jazz are back home after their five game road trip. Five games in eight eight nights. They wrapped it up with a loss last night in Philly 103-94. They go one and four with their only win coming against the Memphis Grizzlies on Friday. They have losses to Milwaukee, Indiana, Toronto and Philadelphia. And those are quality teams, but we thought the Jazz might be able to come together on the road and work out some of the things that were ailing them. They're eight and one at home. I mean, they have been really good here, but uh, but it didn't it didn't really come together. Uh, the way they lost to Toronto, and then the way that game started out last night, falling behind by twenty six. You, you just it's very difficult to climb out of a hole like that, especially when you're trying to work through your problems. And it didn't happen for the Jazz. And there's all kinds of reasons. Um, First of all, I don't think it's it's a hard time to judge the Jazz because of what uh, of what that road trip was. I mean, and we found out some things. Indiana is a pretty darn good basketball team. Mm -hmm. Now, that that is the most alarming loss on the road trip, in my opinion, and we can get well, back to that. They played so poorly that night. They did, and and they got pushed around, which is a, a really bad sign. Not that you know Indiana isn't going to push around some teams this year, but they pushed the Jazz around, and that's not good. Uh, Toronto is legit. They are way better than I gave them credit for, and that I thought that they would be without without Kawhi Leonard. Although you did you did sing the praises of Siakam. Oh, he's awesome. He's so good. Now that you should never be down by forty points at half ever. Ever. I didn't even know that was possible. That's, <laughs> well, it had never happened before to the Jazz. It, it should, that should never happen and is inexcusable. But Toronto's really good. Uh-huh. And then we know that Philly is is big and athletic and a really tough team to play against on the second night of a back-to-back. And Milwaukee is steamrolling everybody. So mm-hmm. 
what they were asked to do on this road trip was pretty ridiculous. So keep that in mind. I understand that. But on the other hand, there is an expectation for this team this year that has not yet completely eroded. And the Jazz don't want it to erode. So they should be held to a high standard. I mean, this is not the Jazz team of two years ago. And they should perform better than that. I agree, but they have some flaws and some stuff yeah. that maybe we didn't really pay close enough attention to that they're going to have to figure out. The 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 bench, is it's a problem. Yes. And I don't know if personnel-wise they can really do anything. Maybe maybe hit the buyout market when, when that becomes more of a thing. But it's not like they have a ton to trade. So it's not like they can easily go out and add some some bench depth. But basically, these scoring droughts where they end up down 26, like happened, is you can time it out to when the bench comes in. They can't, that bench unit can't score. And so the, the answer, at least in the short term, Gordon, is, is going to have to be rotational. And we've seen Quinn Snyder do a bunch of different stuff. But he's got to figure out a way to either you know, negate the damage that the bench is doing or we were joking in the other studio before the show started, leave the, the your best lineup in until you're up 30 and then just hope that the bench hangs on? I mean, what do you do? Okay, so let's break that down a little bit. Uh, it's not just, and I wrote about the shooting woes that the Jazz have had, and we'll get into that in a minute, but you've got to have somebody who's running the freaking offense. You've got to have someone who can be a floor general, and get the ball where in the direction it's supposed to be going, and I'm not sure that Emmanuel Mudiay is is capable of doing that, or he he certainly hasn't shown that he's capable of a mid range shot. He's capable of creating his own shot at times, but is he capable of running the Jazz offense? Uh, I would say the verdict right now is no. Emmanuel- Last night you saw you saw that Quinn put Dante Exum in initially to see if that would work. In the past, we've seen Joe running running the the second team offense, and well, last night he ended up running the first team offense, and it looked pretty good, by the way. Yeah, Rudy certainly enjoyed Joe making plays for him. But but what are you going to do? But who? Because you got to run the freaking offense the way it's set up to run, right? You can't have your starters go in the game and then have your bench come in and completely rearrange the way you do your business on the floor. I mean, it just seems like that's too complicated. But I mean, who is Joe making plays for in that bench unit? You know what I mean? Like Emmanuel Mudiay, he does one thing really, really well, and. Outside of that, it's it's definitely hit or miss. He's drive right guy. He can drive right mm-hmm. and he can beat his man. He's really good at that. But that's you know how does Joe Ingles create for that? I mean that's give it to Emmanuel and get out of the way. And that's that's what his offense basically is limited to. Ed Davis is not the role of Rudy is not even close. So he's limited offensively. Jeff Green has struggled his, uh, mightily over stretches. George Niang has George been Niang hit, has hit not played as well as he did last year. So who's even if it's Joe who's doing that creating for the bench unit? Who's he creating for? And I actually thought Locke put it really well last night when we were doing crosstalk. Who on the bench is is forcing Quinn to play them? Who on the bench is is you know, begging for minutes. You know, who on the bench is, you've got to play this guy. Jay Crowder had a lot of faults, and I know we, we kind of chuckle at his shot selection, but he did a lot of great things for the Jazz where you had to play him. Mm-hmm. There's no one in that bench unit right now where you're going, oh, man, you've got to get him in the game. At no time did I think the Jazz would so sorely miss 
Howell Neto. Hey, we saw Howell play pretty well at times last night for the Sixers. He just couldn't stay on the floor. That was so, Howell's so, big problem. So what do you do? I, what, what Quinn will try to do is keep moving forward, try to get the team to improve, continue to instruct, try to get them to change the way they play certain guys. But it makes me wonder, I've seen other teams that have uh, found sort of talent in, in, the, in, in the rough. And the, is there anybody in the G League? Well, I'm sure I, I they're, mean, <laughs> they're... they got to be scouring. I'm sure they're open for solutions. They're just a little limited to what, what really that, that they can do. And, and the other flaw right now, unfortunately, uh, Gordon, and, and here's some, you know, some, some honesty, and I think a lot of Jazz fans are talking about it, but Mike Conley is not good enough right now. And he's still fitting, and we're, we're still talking comfort, and all those things are, are still around, but they need, they need him in particular to be better on both sides of the floor. And I, I have some sympathy for him because he's being asked to do some different things, but that's part of what's missing right now. We're a quarter of the way through the season. So I wonder how long it's going to take. Some people are wondering how this thing's going to turn out. That seems a little rash at this point. It does. Typically, you'd think that the Jazz would smooth this ride along the way. But there's no doubt that the offense has been disrupted. The Jazz are not shooting the ball well, and their defense has slipped. Right. So, and. and The irony is that they were willing to maybe give up a little bit of their defense in order to increase their offense, and it has not happened. The Jazz are shooting worse by two percentage points than from the field than they did a year ago. I remember last year when we were wa- we watched the Jazz through stretches, and we would go, "Team can't score enough. Mm-hmm. They don't have enough weapons." And so what do the Jazz go out and do? They find weapons, they bring them in, and it has not gelled to this point. They're shooting 45% from the floor. They've made 791 of 1,756 shots. Their effective field goal position, uh, shooting percentage is down. And they're, they're, they are better, they are slightly better shooting the three, but... You would expect that if they shot enough threes, then that might make up for the dearth of shooting from two. But that's not really happening because they're not shooting enough of the threes to make the difference. Their effective field goal percentage last year was 53.8. They were, I think, fifth. And this year, so far, they're 16th at 52%. And it doesn't seem like a lot, 1.8, you know, but it is. That day you lose close games that way, and the Jazz, uh, when they start missing shots, that's when they get blown out, Jake, because it seems like they lose focus and the force, Quinn talks about. When you start missing shots, it just all flows uh, in a bad direction from that point on. So how do you fix that? Some of it is mental. Some of it is attitude. Some guys, I get the feeling, I don't know this for a fact, and I don't know what the, the problem, but it seems like there's, there's something deeper here than just schematics on the floor. And I, maybe that's an irresponsible comment because I don't know what it is, but something seems awry. Um, I think they haven't taken good shots at times this year. Um. I think the league has has changed the way it, it schemes defensively a little bit, and the Jazz have not adjusted 
um, in, incredibly well to that. But the the stats nerds will tell you, Gordon, they're taking too many mid range shots. I mean, that's uh, you know if you and gave, they're missing them. If you gave Locke, you probably wouldn't even need to give Locke truth serum. But if you gave Locke a little truth serum, that's what he'd tell you. They're taking too many mid range shots. But like the 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 problem with all the math is is that everybody has access to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and the people who figure out the way to best use the math are, are 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 probably the people that are most successful with it. But the thing is, is is like okay, so the the shots at the rim and the corner threes are the best shots in basketball to mm-hmm. get. You know, the the math backs that up. But you know who also knows that the defense, the other team. <laughs> so they're going to scheme to. Uh, you know, Rudy set the dunks record last year, right? So do you think teams are thinking, you know, Rudy's, I guess, just going to dunk over us for the entire game? No, they're going to, you know, sag their big, as we've talked about a million times, and they're going to stop Rudy from dunking on them because it's the best shot in the game. Joe Ingles is cannon, you know, open corner threes by the dozen. You know, the other team's probably going to hug Joe Ingles. So, I mean, it's it's how do you adapt to that? And the Jazz need to have, figure out a way to adapt better to well, it because the, they're missing too many mid-range shots right and, now. And they are trying to adapt to it, but then they get sloppy with their passing, and they are 24th in the league in, in turnovers. That's that's not good. No, and that's the that's the blender not wor- working. Well, not even not working, not not being run correctly. And some people have said, well, they're trying to they're trying to to get into transition more. And so when that happens, then you turn the ball over more. But their their pace is behind what it was a year ago, so that you can't use that excuse. At least as far as the ranking, and last year they were thirteenth. This year they're sixteenth in pace. So what's going on? They're figuring it out. That's that's all you can say. They're twenty seventh in assists, Jake. Twenty seventh in the league. That's not good enough. In assists. For a ball movement team that depends on assists in order to create good shots? Now, is it the fact that you can't pick up an assist if you pass the ball to someone and then they miss the shot? But is it is it that? Or is it that the setup doesn't give the shooter the proper rhythm and timing to make the shot? Or is the setup even happening? You know? Are you are you taking a mid range shot before the setup has a chance to work? Yeah. So you know, and I think those are all things that they're figuring. Listen, with Quinn Snyder's offense, one person is going to have a tough time averaging ten assists a game, right? Because it's just not yeah. it's not how it works. It's not John Stockton let the air out of the ball, right. dump it into Carl, uh-huh. and and there's an automatic assist. But your total team assists should still be relatively high, especially compared to your made field goals. Well, they averaged 26 last year, and they're averaging 21 this year. Which is a significant difference. Yes, it is. That's 10 points at least, maybe 15. But uh, but that talks about the other teams adjusting too, because if you're not getting easy assists to Rudy at the rim, you know, I wonder how many assists they got throwing lobs to Rudy at the rim last year. And if teams are playing them differently, then you've got to figure out a different shot. And their catch and shoot numbers right now are not terrific. In fact, I'll, I'll go see if I can uh, if I can dig those up. But and we thought they would be really good at that this year. We thought that they and might get, lead the league in catch and shoot. So all of this is combining with the backdrop of higher expectations for this team. And so, I mean, last year they had a worse record than they do now. I assume they uh, did. Uh, but uh, but it it just seems like they're off to a worse start because. The uh, anticipation was so high. Um, 
All right, I'll see if I can find those. This is the quote from, from Quinn Snyder last night. Quote, we have to use games to get better. And that's what they're going to try and do. Quinn almost had a sense of like relief in his voice. It it was interesting. Ben, ben Anderson and I uh, talked about this because Ben was with me for both games, both Sunday and, and last night. If you listen to Quinn Snyder's post-game comments on Sunday, the guy just sounded like like tired, fed up, you know, uh, like a, like I would be agitated if I had enough energy to be agitated. And then last night he sounded just like a guy who was relieved. Like, thank goodness this is over. We're going to get on a plane and I can put my mind on something else. Like what? I don't know. But he just sounded almost like, I'm so glad this is over. I... I I knowing Quinn the way we do, he's he's an extremely intelligent man, and he he has a plan. But I get the feeling sometimes it's like a parent that wants his kids, who knows the right path for their kids, knows the right direction to go, knows what will make them happy, and then watching them not follow through on the plan. No. All right. Well, I'm more coming up next. Uh, it is the big show. Christian Cox with us, top of the 4 o'clock hour. Bowler in the house at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Tanner Mangum at 5.30. It's all straight ahead here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you, call Action Plumbing, get your preseason furnace tune-up and safety check for 33 bucks. Call 801-833-3333 or actionplumbing.net. Also want to remind you, suit up in style with Mr. Mac and Alema Harrington. Enter now at 1280thezone.com. Win a pair of Cole Haan shoes from Mr. Mac, plus an outfitting shopping experience with Alema, not Gordon, during the remote December 11th. Alema will personally pick you an outfit. Compliments. Of Mr. Mac, I offered to help. You but did. Apparently, uh, you know. I, apparently, it just uh, it, it it just won't. What are you doing? Happen. <laughs> what are you and Austin doing? No, I was just. You showing. just had Austin come into this studio, out of his studio, into this studio, through that door, and to look at something on your computer. I, I, I have And I, I think I speak for everyone <laughs> when I say that we demand to know what's going on uh, right now. I think song. I think Gordon was wondering if he could say the name of this song. Yeah, I kind of was. And you shook your finger. I think you could have, but now that we've made it (laughs) maybe not good, that if you said it, everyone would think the bad way. I just wondered if that would be a song we could play. I'm not familiar with the song, uh, but uh, now that we have made it into (laughs) a thing, we can't. It's out. Never mind. There's plenty of songs about, you know, birds and kitty cats and dogs and... You know, bears. Is there a song about a bear? The Bear Necessities? <laughs> okay. Gordon, news yes. com- news coming out yesterday. Yeah. BYU has come to an agreement with ESPN on a new uh, seven-year deal to televise BYU's home football games. Has, and, has uh, BYU confirmed this yet? Uh, not that I've seen. Austin, no. have, have we missed anything? Um, Brett McMurphy... 
was the first one to report this. Also, I mean, he's, he's, uh, a, he's a tr- he, he's a good guy. Oh yeah, he's rock solid. Also, that uh, ESPN will uh, basically guarantee BYU a bowl berth if they are uh, bowl eligible because ESPN owns what do they own like eight or nine bowl games, maybe more. Might be more than that. Yeah, it might be more than that. So that that's the deal. We've kind of been expecting it. We're not going to see fin- financial figures, of course, but BYU could not operate as an independent without uh, ESPN. 13 bowl games ESPN. 13, okay. That's right. And, they, they, yeah, they have to have some, some kind of lifeline for the whole thing to work. And, it, you know, as I was considering what's happening there – uh, the, these schedules that BYU is trying to put together that are so difficult and trying to get those teams to come into Lavelle Edwards Stadium, that's important to ESPN. It is. Because then they get those marquee programs on TV without having to pay as much to be able to televise them. It's huge. It's huge because you've got to provide value for ESPN in return. And yes, there is value in BYU itself, but there's, yeah, they also need to kind of, uh, you know, wheel out some good games for them to broadcast. I mean, it's not it's not rocket science. So do they? Do the conferences have to get some kind of payment for that when their teams are playing on someone else's field, or do, how how does that work? Do you know? Uh, I guess I don't know what you're asking. The the home team gets all the broadcast revenue. Okay, that, that's what I was asking. So, but with conferences, the non-conference games also fall into the conference agreement, right? So, if, if you mean for their home for games. their home game, so if if BYU plays at Utah, right. then it's Utah's TV and it's it's the Pac-12 collective, right? So with BYU, it's it's obviously more one-off. Like, but with when Notre SC Dame. comes in to play in Provo, then ESPN is now getting SC at a bargain rate, an extra SC game, if yeah. you will. Yeah, that's and, and there's a lot of value. There's a lot of value there for ESPN, for and, sure. And so those two things are very closely tied. So it's tough because you know what BYU is probably going to get their head kicked in a time or two, but they have to schedule that way to create value for ESPN. So you mean they're not scheduling these games to test themselves, to see, to measure their true progress, both collectively as as a team, as a program, and individually as players? You mean that's not what that is all about? It's really about preserving the contract with ESPN moving forward? Correct. I am shocked. Me too. Boy, just when you think that, you know, it's all about the kids. It's all about the kids getting their heads kicked in. Well, the kids are getting an education. A <laughs> good one. Go. Yeah, but you think those guys should be paid, if I remember. I think you said that. I actually don't. But, but, but I think you said that. Not my opinion, though. I, but, 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 Austin, I heard the words come out of your mouth. Nope. You did say athletes I should think be you're, paid. I think you're thinking of somebody else. I'm pretty sure it was you. I hate amateurism. Pay those college athletes. I don't know where that came from. I don't Sounds even, like you say I don't even think that's my voice. That doesn't uh, sound like me. Here, say it now, and then we'll play it. and then. Yeah. No, why yeah. would I do that? <laughs> so we can compare. So you can just entrap me into saying something that I don't believe? Well, you said it that time. That's I me. hate amateurism. I don't know Colorado. who that is. Do you say things you don't believe? I think that's Tony Parks. Has Tony worked up a an impression of me? <laughs> I don't think it's Tony.
Don't flatter yourself. Yeah. Mm. All right. You're not important enough. <laughs> Christian Cox <laughs> hey, joins, Coach, how's it going? joins the show coming up next. <laughs> Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Dan Walken from uh, USA Today. I love Utah. I love what they've done. I think they passed the eye test for me. I uh, love how physical they are. That defensive line is awesome. Huntley, I don't know where you'd rank him among the quarterbacks Utah's had over the years, but he's just really developed into a big-time playmaker. And if they get into the playoff, they won't, they won't totally deserve it, in my opinion. You know, and I, I think despite the schedule, I wish they had maybe gone out of conference and, and gotten a big game they could maybe have in the bank right now but you know if they get in the playoff like I, I think they it would be an interesting matchup with them against either LSU or uh, Ohio State I'd, I'd love to see it catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network